Welcome to the Foodie with a Life podcast. My name is Christina Conrad. This podcast is all about prioritizing your quality of life. It's about grinding less so that you can be more present and grounded. It's about fueling your body to truly feel nurtured, which means taking care of yourself, tuning into mindfulness, eating real food, and doing activities that give you energy and joy. It's about surrounding yourself with people who make you feel like the best version of you. And above all else, taking a little time to rest. Together, we're thoughtfully doing less and feeling better. Welcome to the tribe. I'm really glad you're here. If you're in a cooking rut or just looking for healthy, feel-great recipes that are completely doable, subscribe to the Seasonal Recipe Bundle and receive seasonal recipe packs each quarter with amazing pro tips to save you time and help you get ahead of your week so cooking feels sustainable and attainable. These are more than just recipes, you guys. It's having meals and techniques at your fingertips that leave you and your family feeling great. Here's what members are saying. The SRB is 100. Tuna crostini, snap peas, and chimichurri shrimp are all delicious. I can't wait to try the rest. Melissa D says, I now love the idea of making a batch of soup at the beginning of each week. It makes it so much easier to make good food choices during the week, and I'm already cutting back on takeout. Subscribe to the annual membership for only $45 and add 24 recipes to your toolbox this year. Subscribe today by clicking on the link in episode notes or on foodiewithlife.com in the shop. And thanks. Tammy Havsala is on the show today, and I'm very excited to share her with you. She is someone that I met probably around 2007 and have been practicing yoga on and off with her. I went on a retreat to Goa, India with her years ago, spent three weeks in India. It was incredible. She's just someone that has open palm in two worlds, kind of in the spiritual, energetic realm, as well as very grounded in real life and real, realistic expectations and understanding what kind of this world looks like, this like earth world. Anyways, I hope that makes sense to you. It's really hard to explain. (laughs) The conversation goes to a lot of different places, but you know, it's very much about finding some breathing room, giving yourself a break to pause and finding that union between the body and the mind. We talk about yoga, but this is not necessarily about yoga. It's really about tuning into yourself. Let me tell you a little bit about Tammy. Tammy has been teaching yoga for 22 years and is adept in holding grounding, compassionate space that is warm and welcoming for all. Tammy teaches retreats in beautiful settings worldwide and leads teacher trainings in Seattle. Additionally, Tammy is an Ayurvedic practitioner and licensed massage therapist. Tammy is a mother and for many years assisted couples as a doula. She is passionate about all phases of womanhood and empowers women to connect with divine innate wisdom and intuition. All right, here's Tammy. Tammy, I'm so excited that you are here. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me, Christina. We have so much <laughs> to go to like get into. I kind of just want to jump in. Um, for you, what does getting quiet look like? Yeah, slowing down. I realized when I was reflecting on this, all the things that I enjoy doing 
that drop me into quiet space requires me to slow down. So I would say that is the number one thing. And um, I also thought a lot about nature. So one thing I thought about was, um, you know, just when I have my own senses connected to the natural world, then I actually can hear the birds, I can hear other animals, I can smell fragrances in the air, um, crisp um, feeling of the breeze upon my skin, you know, these things that sometimes we're not attuned to because we're moving so fast. Observing my own self in quiet, I find that if I'm moving too fast, I won't observe the colors of the sunrise or the sunset. So so moving slowly, being in nature for sure. Um, and then of course, like if I can't get into nature, just simply laying my hands on my heart or my belly and just feeling and hearing and breathing consciously into my body is a real way to get myself centered and in the present moment and just quiet mind. Even just getting up a little earlier in the morning, sometimes that is a time where the, you know, the day hasn't quite started and I get to just have alone time for myself and also that quiet, soft space. Yeah, so those are just some things that come to mind. And then of course, like a formal meditation or yoga practice. But I aim to think about these things also with the reality of our modern day life and urban setting like how do we find that and how do I find that for myself it's not always easy you know as a mom or someone working in the world so just trying to yeah create that space like creating it actually yeah so true because we have our phone with us all the time and it is I mean, it's everything, right? It's your clock, it's your calendar, it, it's the phone call, like it is everything. And we have lost the ability to like be bored. And so even like if I'm standing in line to get a coffee, I think I have to consciously pull myself back. And my initial reaction is to grab my phone and I have to consciously keep my phone in my pocket or purse and go like okay i'm just gonna stand here and wait and it's it's wild that we have to like train our bodies that that is an okay state to be in you know yeah you're absolutely right because it's as if we don't give ourselves empty space anymore and a lot of times you know there's this idea of a pause between every inhale and every exhale and the and the spaciousness in the mind that the two are related mm -hmm. and a lot of times just this idea of a pause and that it really is where the insight or inspiration or or just a way to um you know just like you're saying sometimes the because of boredom comes a creative thought or mm -hmm. you know reflective memory or you know, just some insight and it's because we're bored, you know, and we see this with children sometimes if they're, you know, not being allowed to watch the movie or play the video game or whatever, the next thing you know, they're like building Legos or they're doing more imaginative play. So that is really true that sometimes, and they even say this for children, like boredom is actually a positive thing. Mm -hmm. And so it's no different for adults. <laughs> 
you know, taking that space and time for sure. Yeah. Why do you think being quiet and still can feel scary for people? People feel like anxious straight away. Like, oh, I could, I could never do that. Right. Or like, oh, I don't need that. And it just, there's, there's like a fear behind whatever is like that silence. Yeah. I feel like the biggest thing I thought about is um, our modern world moves so fast. There actually, we aren't taught how to slow down. Like we're actually losing some kind of skill. Like what you're saying about picking up your phone in the grocery store line. And I too, you know, drove by a bus station the other day where every single person, there's probably like five to eight people just sitting and their heads are tilted down looking at their device. So this really is like always emptying, you know, the, the empty space is being filled. The empty moment is being filled like, and it's a lot of distraction. Um, and we really are in an age that's moving quickly. That's a lot of information. That's a lot of consumption um, and it's overwhelming. And so I think for some, when they get quiet or when they're invited to, to get quiet, it can feel intimidating or scary, like you're saying, because we're not trained to do it for one, but also the moment we're on, you know, uh, you know, trying to be quiet, like let's say we're requested in a yoga class to just close your eyes and deep breathe. And all of a sudden, maybe from the outside, you look like you're being quiet, but from the inside, your mind is just racing and moving. And sometimes the thoughts that are coming aren't very desirable or, um, you know, a lot of times the mind's function is to think. So that is a truth. It will always think and it will move fast sometimes, but sometimes it will process past events or do some future tripping. And those things aren't always helpful to us. And sometimes, you know, as a result, maybe worry comes in, anxiety comes in because we're trying to resolve something in the mind that's in the past or in the future. And we can't do it because it's the fictional thing in the mind in that moment. The real thing in that moment is just to be sitting and breathing and embodying whatever that moment has for you. But sometimes it's the mind moving around that disturbs us. And it's for every human, really. That's why the Eastern practices are there to train the mind and to give ways in which we can focus the mind lovely when you hear like mindfulness coming into schools for kids, for example, or corporate settings, for example. So there's, you know, in science too, they're seeing that training the mind, having the mind be able to focus, having um, people connect with their breath, all of these things, um, we see the positive result and impact in everyday life. Um, But it is not easy to get there either. So just honoring the truth of that and even trained practitioners of meditation and yoga, it's still not easy and it's still scary at times. So I think also just to be comforted that it's just a human dilemma. And um, and I think it's also a dilemma in this modern age and urban living too. If we did live near a mountain stream and didn't have the demands of driving across the city and doing this or that, probably we could get there faster, quiet space, but it requires more of us. So, so it can be, um, you know, just something that we train ourselves to do. It's a practice to cultivate. It's an art. 
you know, and so with any art, you can't be a, an excellent musician if you aren't practicing doing it. And so sometimes we have to visit this place within ourselves that's sometimes scary and just trust that you also have the resources to hold yourself in that space too, that we have that, like we can breathe, we can, you know, just be with whatever it is and it will move through like our feelings, our thoughts do fluctuate. So even if it's a storm, it can pass and it will pass. You know, that is a truth of the life too. Watching nature is always a teacher. So storms come and go. Beautiful weather comes and goes too. So we can't also get attached to that either, you know, but you're right. It's, it is, it can be intimidating and scary for people. And, you know, always the wise teachings say um, even just five minutes, it doesn't have to be a lot either. So we don't have to put a lot of pressure on ourselves that like oh I need all this time to meditate or I need all this time to get really quiet it can just be a five minute reset like you're just sitting with your cup of tea or cup of coffee but you're just breathing and you're grounded and you're really smelling the fragrance and enjoying the taste like presence of mind is really all it is ultimately that sets us in a more peaceful state and we can be quiet in the most simple of activities you know so you have had a very interesting journey. I feel like your container for what you do in the world just continues to expand and grow. Um, you teach yoga, you host workshops globally, of which I went to India with you many years ago for three weeks. Love that. And uh, it was just the it was the most incredible experience. I would have not probably gone otherwise you host cleanses, Ayurveda massage. I mean, there's just so much to what you're doing in the world. Can you tell me a bit about why this path spoke to you? Yeah, so I was a student of psychology in university. And so I always was curious and, um, you know, mesmerized by the mind and its way you know, just studying the mind and also wanting to be of service to people. So I was really on a path to becoming a therapist. And I did after college work for some years as a child's counselor in a mental health facility in Bellingham. So I, um, so I was really on track with that. And yoga really came to me in college. And it really had to do with being stressed for tests, like anxiety, you know, test taking anxiety. And, um, and one of my counselors said, you know, you should try, you know, some, some ways of like calming your nervous system and, and softening, you know, the worry and anxiety of the mind. And it was, that's how it was introduced to me. And, um, you know, and this particular counselor actually gave me a handful of things. You might try Qigong, you might try biofeedback, you might try, you know, and then one of the words was yoga. And for whatever reason, that was the one that was um, stuck and became, I was curious about it. So then it was there that I started taking some yoga classes and um, and it really built over time. So I was popping in and out of classes, but at the same time, as I said, I was you know finishing up my degree, working in my field for a few years. And then I was on track to, um, doing a master's study in Seattle, Antioch. And then I ended up deferring my program for a year and traveling. And when I did that, it's a lot of other stuff 
you know, other interests started to surface. Obviously, the travel itself, I, you know, I'm very much in love with travel. It's something that really makes me tick. Yoga itself, you know, just came back to me, you know, as I'm traveling, as I'm carrying a backpack around or whatever, I start just stretching my back or doing sun salutations just to sort of get myself feeling energized and whatnot. And then when I came back to Seattle after being gone a year, I was waitressing and landscaping as a way just to make money because I was going to go overseas again. And as I was doing that, my body was hurting from that hard work. And then yoga came back again. You know, yoga was just kind of in and out. And um, and then that's when I really got more inspired. I started to really go to studios and see these beautiful teachers I became inspired by. And then I decided to embark on teacher training. So that was kind of what led me then to teacher training. And through that, I learned about Ayurveda, which is a sister science of yoga. And, you know, just ways of keeping the body in rhythm and balance with the natural elements. Yeah, just I grew my own knowledge of yoga, philosophy and Ayurveda. And then it's from that place that then I have been able to share. And, you know, and again, my path has been, you know, like, sometimes I'm really doing my work quite, you know, vibrantly in the world. And sometimes I've had to slow it down, you know, having my son, for example, and taking some time off. Um, always I was doing this and even he's come to India many times with me, but I, you know, prioritize family life, for example, and make sure, you know, now I'm in a place where I can build my practice bigger again. And now you've been teaching for over 22 years. Yeah. <laughs> my goodness. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How do you feel like your teaching has evolved? Yeah. So for sure, I think I'm more confident in my teaching. I think at the start, maybe you're a little bit shy or will people like what you're sharing or, and then because yoga is such a vast um, philosophy, I think the biggest reflection I have um, with my teaching and where it is now is how I'm so committed to making it approachable for people especially someone brand new who's never heard of all these concepts and because it can also be a real turnoff you know this this um foreign way of describing breath and energy or the subtle pieces of yoga I really like just anyone can benefit I love this idea you know that you can just go back to your breath. You can enhance your well-being and reduce stress. And you can simply stretch your spine and move your spine in all the directions the spine can move so that the nerve flow that runs through the spine can, you know, um, just go with um, more fluidity to your organs and your muscles and your cells, you know, like I think anyone could understand those kinds of things and appreciate those kinds of things. Like, oh, I could just twist my spine or move my spine or I'm at my desk all day and I could just do this little thing to enhance my energy and well-being and, and also reduce my stress and anxiety when I can breathe a little deeper. So you don't have to know anything esoteric and you don't have to even study very much to benefit. So I feel like that is the real message I have these days. And as well, how do we um, just cope with the modern day stresses? Like what is what are some practical tools that anyone would benefit from? 
and especially I try to think of like busy um, people that are running around and having families or you have you know some big work in the world how do you also preserve your wellness so I believe that it's definitely matured so you teach yin yoga, which is yeah. such a magical practice in a world where yoga is kind of been accepted as like a powerful practice for Americans. We're like, okay, get in, get a workout. I want to sweat. And I, and you know, you and I have talked like that feels great as well. Yin yoga feels like such a different experience. I'll tell you a, a story one time. I had a like relatively stressful meeting coming up um, early one morning and the night before I had gone to a yin yoga class and so on. I'm going to have you talk about yin yoga um, so people know what it is, but it's a completely different practice. It's very quiet. It's very restorative and it's so grounding. And so I had gone to this class and, you know, sometimes you're in a class and your body just gets right into it like you have a deep shavasana your mind is very like in tune to the meditation you know it just kind of clicks and sometimes of course it doesn't and it feels harder to get there um, but for whatever reason it just clicked and i just felt like very restored when i left this class went home went to bed the next day woke up went to the office and had this meeting and i was it was on the phone and i uh, a coworker of mine was in a different office and he's like, you know, you're doing the meeting, like I'm just kind of over here, like overhearing and I can jump in at all if you need. I'm like, okay, great. So I have this meeting and I was like razor focused. It was amazing. Literally this coworker did not jump in at all. The meeting got super buttoned up. These were like very tough clients. And then <laughs> he just comes in the door once the phone call ends and just high fives me. Like <laughs> says nothing. He was just, dang, what happened to you, you know? And oh man, I went to this great yoga class last night and I just felt very aligned and on point. And I always can tell when I haven't gone to yoga, there's an internal frequency that just gets out of alignment and I'll feel my frequency start to get kind of like jagged. Like I won't be able to sleep as well. I won't be able to just kind of function as well in life. Can't kind of stay on path. It's very powerful. I mean, this is this is not a show about like converting people to yoga. <laughs> yin yoga is so different. And so I wonder if you can talk a bit about yin yoga and um, kind of explain why it's so unique. Yeah, I love your story first off, Christina. Um, it's really lovely to hear this kind of testimonial yoga in your life and specifically the yin and also I genuinely relate to what you're saying um, about not getting a practice in or when you're out of practice after some days maybe you're really busy in your work or with your family and you really can't get it in the way you want to and it, it can just feel just slightly off you know so I get that once you've really attuned in this way in your life um, and with that said, yoga itself, the definition is the balance of body, mind, heart, you know, body, mind, consciousness, you know, so really anything that brings us to that balance can be yoga too. So for some, it's music or gardening or 
you know, looking into the eyes of a newborn, you know, like there are many ways to find union of body, mind, heart. So even that statement you made about like not converting people to yoga, you know, they're probably doing yoga in another way too, or, um, you know, but yes, there is this formal um, study and practice of yoga with the physical postures and the breath techniques and such. And yin is very special because it's almost like this bridge between the physicality of yoga and the subtlety of yoga. So because, you know, so many people come to yoga because of the, you know, body movement, like the workout, quote unquote, um, it just feels good to move. It feels good to sweat. I love feeling my strength and developing strength and stamina, which is awesome. And we want that. We actually want that for the whole of our lives. How wonderful if you really can work with your own body weight, um, you will age well for sure. And then, but yin also addresses, you know, the subtlety. So for example, you know, one of the things they say about the physical is that we're training the mind to get the mind quiet so we can be more present. So then we can sit in the longer periods for meditation. And so for some also meditation, maybe they're not making time for meditation. Meditation, that's a nice idea. I don't know if I can do it or I'm intimidated by it. And even what we were talking about earlier, but with yin, they're willing maybe to sit in a pose. So you will still be doing poses, but you will hold it for longer. It won't be, um, you know, five breaths. It might actually be like one to five minutes instead. But the approach is different in the sense that you're doing it a little more passively. So it's more relaxed in some way. At the same time, it's also can be challenging for the mind because you really are present with something and you're breathing into some spaces in your body. Um, you use the word incredibly grounding and it is because we never leave the floor with the end. We're not doing standing poses or a lot of you know weight bearing in that way. It's instead maybe seated poses, lying down poses, maybe even stuff on the belly, like really relaxed on the belly to open up hips or open up spine, but in a very more relaxed kind of way. It has a different way of opening the body. It still opens the body, still stretches deeply, like how some of our other practices styles would do. But this one is unique because we're more passive. And in that way of being more passive, there's like a surrendering kind of quality that is just a real letting go also for the mind. There's a spaciousness for the mind. And sometimes people will have moments as if they're having meditation practice. That's the beauty of it, is that it can clear you. And um, there's an idea of just like this rest and digest, you know, rest and digest, not only physical food, but also even mental processes, our experiences. You know, we want to digest all that stuff too. And the busy and fast pace, maybe we don't get to all the time. Um, but with yin, people are carving time out for it. And I'm really happy to say that my yin classes are often sold out, actually. I'm shocked. And I can see that people want it. People are ready for it. It's subtle, but it's so profound. And you almost walk out that you've had a deep massage even. It can feel like that too. Yeah, so that's a little bit. But I do see it as a gateway between the physical and going into the deeper levels of awareness 
And then as well, because we're passive and because we're letting the body tissue sort of open itself up in a different way, the target isn't as much on muscle tissue, it's more on fascia and connective tissue. So these are more dense than muscle. So with muscle, we can stretch and hold for five or eight breaths. These other tissues might take longer time and that's why we hold them for longer. But the result is, you know, people just will report back, you know, wow, my low back, you know, stress in my spine has really lifted away or my outer hips, you know, and that's the other thing we're targeting a lot, you know, hips, low back, um, because traditionally it was done so that you could sit for longer periods in the upright seated meditation position, you know, so pressure points, meridian lines. That's the other thing with yin. We're thinking about those things as well. It's so powerful. And I hadn't really thought about, I mean, it being passive, but there is, I'm going to say a vulnerability to allowing yourself to relax. You're one of my teachers. And so you were always so hands-on and I loved that about your adjustments. And I feel like teachers don't really do that anymore, which is, I mean, post COVID or just a different style. It was so powerful. Yeah. You know, and I'm sure you probably feel that in massage as well. Like you can tell when people's muscles are tensed and they're not, you know, they're not ready to like be open. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, guard, it's like, um, even we have these words like guarding or armoring, you know, in, um, in these body practices of massage of yoga, like that's how we define it when people are a little bit contracted or held, like it's an armoring or a guarding. Mm -hmm. And there's an intelligence with that too. And, you know, because maybe there is something they're protecting against. It could even be as simple as, you know, I had a tear in the hamstring. So now it's a little bit tighter as a result and it, and protecting it, you know, the body's intelligence is protecting it. Or of course, on other levels, there could be trauma. There could be something energetic too that's being held and protected. And so for sure, these um, require us a level of letting go and a level of trust for sure, these practices. Mm -hmm. um, and what I like to think of is like an unfurling or an unfolding. And just knowing that this happens all in its right time, in its right way, there's no rush about these processes. You know, it's like, it's years and years of practice. And as long as it's done in a really methodical, intelligent way, we will always be safe in our practice, both physically, mentally, emotionally, all of it, you know. Again, that first question you asked about quiet and slowing down. And so when we do that, then we actually know what feels right in our body, what feels right in our mind, what feels right in our heart. We're guided by intuition. We're guided by our own insight, our own intelligence, our own wisdom. And so that has to be first and foremost, even if you're in space with other students and teachers and whatnot, it's also your practice too. Yeah, so true. Um, well, by the time this episode airs, you will have finished up your, your Ayurveda cleanse that you were hosting. Tell me why a cleanse, why in fall, and what would someone expect? As you know, again, the modern age and the rushing around and the stress, and maybe we're not always in our best, you know, daily lifestyle habits with what we eat or what we take in, or even just environmental toxins. So Ayurveda says that just over time, like we just all build up toxin at, you know, at some level within us. 
And of course, we have daily waste. You know, we do have our daily waste, our digestion, metabolism, all that. But sometimes it is affected, um, like I said, by these different stressors. And the idea is just to simply lighten that accumulation, um, just like you would clean out your posit in the springtime. There's sometimes like this innate calling to also do some um, body cleansing, some body clearing. Ayurveda does traditionally say it's at the seasonal juncture. And so autumn as well as spring too, both are famous times for cleansing. It also has to be right for the individual. And there are times like we need a cleanse that, you know, maybe there's an event in the life um, that just you need to clear that energy somehow, or there's been an illness or whatever, and you just know that you need to kind of reset because the cleanse isn't only about food or cleansing your diet or whatever. It's also about reset. So there's this idea about once you purge what no longer serves, things just work better. You know, maybe metabolism works better. Maybe your sleep is better. Maybe digestion, you know, is just happening daily in a different way. It's there's more appetite, there's more vibrancy, more energy, less inflammation. You know, there's a lot that happens just by resetting. And an Ayurvedic cleanse is different to other cleanses because we are never depriving ourselves of food in Ayurveda. So the way we cleanse is um, just mono diet. So, you know, these days, and you know, because you are an expert in the food industry, um, there's so many beautiful recipes out there and, and different, um, you know, we're cuisines too worldwide. Like we are influenced, especially in the West by all kinds of cuisine from every part of the planet. So maybe even in one's daily life, they're having sushi for lunch and a burrito for dinner. And, and that can get complicated on digestion. So all we're doing in an Ayurvedic cleanse is we're just reducing the food to just a few really basic items. And that would be like a grain, rice or quinoa, a lentil and veg. So you're not depriving yourself, you're still really eating a very well-balanced meal, but it's just a very basic meal. And then it would have these um, digestive enhancing spices. And then there's other levels to it too, because we do sometimes some different ways to further cleanse the, the system, you know, the channels and um, intestines. And there, so there's different levels. This is, I'm just sharing the very basic about an Ayurvedic cleanse. But yeah, it's just a reset. I like perceiving it as a reset and um, just a way to have the body um, just come down, back down to the basics. Because even then after you've, you know, you've had this mono diet, let's say for five to 10 days, and then you reintroduce even just other veggies or other, like you were eating lentils the whole time. Maybe you're even just reintroducing like beans again, or just some other basic things back in all of a sudden your taste buds are more awake and, or other spices. Maybe you've really been eating these di uh, digestive enhancing spices for a while. And now you're eating more like, you know, Italian spices or herbs or something, just as an example, you're adding these other things in. It just is like clearing and cleansing the palate even, and your senses, maybe even the sense of smell is enhanced as well. So people report all kinds of things as 
positive results. Ayurveda is a sister science to yoga. And just like we said that yoga is like body, mind, spirit union, Ayurveda also perceives health and wellness as addressing health in the body, in the mind, and in the spirit. So it is said if one of those things are off, then we are not well. Um, so that's really quite amazing. So if someone is, you know, has no physical perceived ailment, but maybe there's just under a lot of stress, like Ayurveda would perceive that, that they're just not doing well in the consciousness. Like there's a vibrancy that's missing. So we just try to address that. At these seasonal junctures, one other thing to note and why, because that was one of the questions, like why? It's also a time like people have like a lot of cold symptoms or allergies that happen in autumn and spring. So sometimes if we've eliminated toxins or we've just lightened even accumulation, doesn't even have to be like toxin per se, just even accumulation. Sometimes we're so reset in a beautiful balanced way that those symptoms don't come. People have reported that a lot. Like they, you know, typically every spring will get this allergic thing and they don't the year they cleanse. That kind of thing, we hear that a lot. It's really quite beautiful. I have yeah. bad allergies here in the fall and in the spring. My throat and just like kind of just general congestion a little bit has been happening for like two weeks almost. It's like, is it the smoke? Like, you know, we kind of had like a low grade cold of three weeks ago, you know? Yeah, yeah that's so wild. Okay, well, I'm going to look, I'm going to talk to you again in the spring. We're going <laughs> to we're gonna go on this path okay i i could talk to you forever <laughs> but i know i can't this is a question i ask everyone this podcast is so about quality of life kind of the the mission of this podcast is like how do we encourage our own quality of life sometimes that means we're doing less sometimes you know that means we're reprioritizing so my question is, what are you prioritizing right now to support your quality of life? I love the question because I feel like it, like it's from the place in which I teach. And that is to create time for self-care. So when I share with others, you know, for example, the cleanse or for example, a yoga practice or, you know, makes time and space for a massage, you know, these kinds of things. For me, I have to make sure that I'm doing that too. You know, there's no way I can teach properly or serve properly or even be a good mom or wife <laughs> if I'm not taking care of myself. So really, that is my self-care is a huge priority to me. And kind of what we shared at the start, like if I that means I have to get up early um, in the morning so that I can really enjoy my cup of tea quietly before anyone else is up and watch the sunrise or even just the colors of the sky sort of change. And sometimes these days it's starting to be a lot darker earlier. I will just light a candle and just have some really nice candlelight in the morning. And, and that is very soothing to me. And already the day is better. Cooking and preparing food for myself is a huge priority. So I try to make time for that. And, um, and there, of course, there are times I'm on the go like everyone. And um, and so then, of course, choosing some mindful food wherever I am, if I need to get something from the deli or whatever it needs to be, you know, just something that goes along with how I like to eat. And yeah, and then, of course, when I cook for myself and nourish my family, it's like it just feels so good. 
So I believe that's such a huge act of care, like for myself and for my loved ones. Getting out daily, I no matter what the weather, I will make myself go for a walk at least 45 minutes, no matter what the weather. And same, I will make myself get up for that or find time midday for that or even evening, just like make sure I get it in somehow. Um, that's that's helpful to reset me. And then of course, like my yoga practice is huge. We have to stress this, you know, like my greatest, one of my greatest teachers would say, it's not about the length of time that you're practicing. It's about the consistency of the practice. So it can be maybe 10 minutes that I'm mindfully breathing, or I'm taking just one restorative pose, just putting my legs up the wall, or, um, or I really do have time and I get to really get an hour long class and how awesome is that, but we want to be realistic with these things too. So all of these acts of self-care can be done in a way that truly suits your life as practical for your life, you know? And so I think about that for myself and that fluctuates. There's times I have a lot more time, times I have a lot less time. Um, so just honoring that, but at the same time, getting the things in that are meaningful to you. Yeah. Whatever that is, you know? Yeah. So good. Tammy, thank you so much. Ah, beautiful, Christina. Thank you. I love seeing you and talking with you and being connected to you. You are a gift. Oh my gosh. Thank you. It's just such a treat. I always feel so good being around you. You just have like the most beautiful energy. Ah, same. Yeah. Thank you. We'll end this episode with a few breaths and meditation. As you're ready, please close your eyes or find a gentle gaze on something. Take a deep inhale through the nose. And as you exhale, roll the shoulders back and down and exhale through the mouth. Find a gentle softness to the heart, to the spine, and to the belly. Take another deep inhale and feel the belly fill with breath. Feel the ribs lift and the heart shine. And as you exhale, everything quietly and slowly lowers closer to the center line. Inhale, finding a softness to your low back, a lengthening to the mid back, and a bringing together of the shoulder blades so that the heart can feel lifted. Exhale, again, everything knitting together towards the center line. Inhale. And exhale. As you're here in this mindful place, Tune into the sounds around you. Finding your breath. And then being here as an observer to listen and notice. No attachment one way or the other. Showing up for it. 
and then bring your awareness back to your breath. Lengthen the breath again if it's become shallow. Nice big inhale. Nice deep exhale. as you're ready, blink the eyes or lift the gaze. And notice the difference of the light and maybe how you can hear the sounds of the environment a bit better. And notice your overall energy Again, no judgment, just being here for it. Have a great day. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for being with me today. I hope our conversation allows you to take back a bit of your time so you can have more space, more breathing room, more energy. Have a great day.